Welcome to Random Thoughts of Judd. It is our prayer that we might be an encouragement on this journey and that you might be refreshed and renewed while we live, love, and most of all laugh while serving Him. Now, here's your host, Judd Walker. Well, hello, friends. Welcome to episode one. So excited to finally get this one off the ground and rolling. Uh, So let's get into it. Today, we're going to be a conversation with the devil. You ever wanted to ask the devil some tough questions? I know I often think what I'd say if I was given an opportunity to interview him. Well, today we're going to do just that. Here a while back I posted on my Facebook page and simply asked if you could ask the devil one question, what would it be? We're going to do our best in this podcast to answer some of those questions along with a few more. Uh, Maybe approach them a little bit differently, because today we're going to have a conversation with the devil. But remember this, he is not omnipotent. God is. The devil cannot be all places at all times, which he has many demons that work for him. But today we want to talk directly to him. All right, let's get down to business. Let's start this interview. Let's start with some background info. Why don't you tell us who you are and how you got to where you are today? Well, many people refer to me as Satan or the devil. Some call me the great deceiver, prince of darkness, ruler of the dark world. But that's not who I've always been. Believe it or not, I was once referred to as the morning star, Lucifer by name. See, I was actually an angel created by God. I was the signet of perfection, full of wisdom and beauty. It's actually technically what they call a covering cherub. Those, of course, the angels with the closest access to God. I actually guarded his holiness. I was even on the holy mountain of God. I literally stayed right beneath his glory at the footstool of God. I also took care of the heavenly praise and worship. You could basically say I was God's choir leader, or (laughs) as you all say today, the worship pastor. Interesting to hear. And all that really sounds perfect, but you didn't explain how you ended up where you are. See, we read in Isaiah 14 that you were cast out of God's presence. As a matter of fact, it gives us five I wills that you said that caused you to fall. So please explain how anyone could be so arrogant. I was with God all the time. I watched his majesty. I saw how all the angels worshiped and adored him. Yet here I was perfect, perfectly beautiful, perfect in praise. I did everything right, but no one ever paid attention to me. No one ever praised me. Many think I wanted to take over and be better than God, but that wasn't it at all. I just simply thought I was good enough to be a fourth part of the Trinity. Yeah, I know it makes a lot of sense. But see, then it would have been the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, and the Morning Star. I even convinced most of the angels to agree with me. Even had them beginning to try to convince God that I could be just as good. Well, how'd that work out for you? (laughs) It didn't. 
Nope, not at all. I found out real quick that God is sovereign and holy. He doesn't play games, trust me. He took me and a third of the host of heaven and cast us out. <laughs> Cursed me to eternal damnation. Created hell as an eternal punishment for me and my buddies. You know, my heart was broken, but it actually made me bitter. Because it, it made me hate all things holy. Anything that has to do with God makes me absolutely sick. I've made it my goal to do all I can to disrupt his work, and even more so, is destroy his relationship with mankind. And so, here we are today. Because of your self-pride, you got yourself into this place. Let's set this straight. It wasn't God's fault. It was your own. So you're cast into the earth. Then, God creates the earth. Makes a beautiful, perfect creation. Sets the most beautiful garden in place where he places his most beautiful creation, Adam and Eve. And they, well, let's be honest, they had it made. So tell us, was it jealousy? <laughs> Why couldn't you leave them alone? I told you, anything holy of God bulls my blood. You really think I was going to sit back and do nothing? I mean, <laughs> it was bad enough that he threw me to the earth, but then he's going to create this beautiful place and throw it in my face. I'm supposed to just sit back and do nothing. Yeah, right. This was my perfect and prime opportunity to get back at God and destroy his plan for man to live in perfect harmony with him. Oh yeah, this was my time. Well, quite honestly, it was a cowardly move. I mean, you tempted Eve instead of Adam, and you waited till you knew she would be alone and away from Adam. You obviously watched and planned your attack. You knew clearly what God had commanded them, so tell us, how'd you do it? Do lions look for the strongest male in the herd of antelopes to attack? No. He picks out the weakest waits till the perfect moment, and then attacks. That's exactly what I did. As far as getting her to eat the fruit, that was simple. I just took God's word and tweaked it, twisted it, and got her to believe it. Basically, all I had to do was make sin look good and God look bad. Simple twist and a lie, that's all it took. And even better, without any effort on my part, she took it and got Adam to eat it as well. <laughs> Honestly, it was quite easy. You say it was easy. Yet, when I read Genesis 3 and verse 14, it sounds like Adam and Eve weren't the only ones in trouble. You want to explain that? Uh, not a big deal. I got cursed to be an outcast. The serpent would crawl upon his belly. He made it so man would just always be at odds with me, but really, not that big a deal. What did it mean in verse 15? That it would bruise your head and bruise his heel? I really don't want to talk about that. Because again, it's not a big deal. So, moving on, everyone's big question is, what about 
Jesus. I mean, it seems you did whatever you wanted to do till he showed up. Talk to us about the impact his coming had on you. Kind of a sore subject, one-sided to say the least. Yeah, I was cursed to be here, but I pretty much ran the show, did whatever I wanted, and when I wanted. Death and I had a pretty good thing going. We kept everyone living in fear. People always killing animals thinking it made them right with God. <laughs> but the whole time I had the upper hand and I loved it. But then a baby's born in Bethlehem. Just great. Immediately some begin to claim he's the Messiah. That's came to save the world. I tried to kill him then, but they snuck away. I knew eventually I'd get him. This was my turf. Death and I ran the show. Wasn't no one going to disrupt that. So, are you saying you did finally get him? I tried. I even offered him the world itself if he would just deny God. I begged and tempted him with everything I had. The problem is, you can't twist the Word of God when you're talking to the Word of God. Long story short, I convinced the scribes and Pharisees that he was a liar and a blasphemer and that his existence threatened their very livelihood. All the traditions and routines I had them stuck in would be destroyed by this man. I almost think they hated him worse than me. People don't like it when you mess with their traditions. I kept showing them opportunities to take him and finally my old buddy Judas listened to me. Sold him out for 30 pieces of silver literally the price of a slave. I loved it. Then as soon as he did, I drove him crazy till he finally hanged himself, but hey, it worked. Finally, they were headed to the garden to arrest him. I went on into town, began to gather everyone I could, gave them all the perfect lies to tell about him. Yet, he never opened his mouth. Honestly, he made it quite easy for me. I convinced the Roman soldiers to go extra hard with him, and boy, did they ever. They beat him so bad you couldn't barely tell he was a man, let alone Jesus. I loved it. My revenge was finally happening, and I knew God was going to feel the pain. Boy, I had the crowd so convinced, so riled up, it didn't matter what Pilate tried to say. They were determined he was going to be crucified. Poor old Pilate even tried to reason with them, brought out Barabbas, and offered to free only one. Let me tell you, I'm so good they chose to release a murderer in place of Jesus. They simply wanted him dead. So they crucified him and then buried him in a tomb. Why don't you tell us your account of that moment? Oh, it was wonderful. You see, I, I knew he was the Christ. I knew he was God's son. Remember, I used to be with them. But now, you see, I wanted God to suffer and hurt. I watched Jesus suffer and I watched him die. Finally, after all these years, God would know I was for real. I put my best, my strongest, and my meanest demons there to guard his soul. I was determined he was going to stay in that tomb. Hey, day one, perfect. Day two, it's quiet. Everybody's hiding. Everybody's scared to death they're next. But I thought it better to be extra safe and I convinced the high priest to ask for a, basically a Roman squad to be placed at the tomb to secure it. Let me tell you that was easy. 
because the high priests were already distraught because their precious temple had been shaken up and the veil that separated the holiest of holy had been ripped plumb from the top to the bottom. I knew what that meant, <laughs> but I knew it was worthless as long as I kept them and kept him in that tomb. So now it's dawning toward the third day. If we just make it through this day, then we have proven him to be a liar and a fake. Victory is mine. Well, why the silence now? Please keep going. Tell us more. Man, it hurts to even say it. <laughs> Still to this day, Jesus did what he said he was going to do. Honestly, I kind of blacked out <laughs> just from the raw power of that moment. Listen, people don't truly understand what happened in that moment. I lost my keys. Death lost his sting, and Jesus forever sealed that man could be reconciled unto God and live eternally. Sounds to me like you believe it. Well, listen, I used to live in their presence. I know it's real. I know their power is unmatched. And it makes me hate it all the more. I had things just the way I wanted. And when he arose, it destroyed all my plans and sealed my destiny. Do you understand that one day my eternity will be a lake of fire where I'll never die but always burn? Can you understand the gravity of this? I'm going to eternally die, eternally suffer, and eternally pay for my iniquities. Knowing he is alive and that he's willing to save whosoever, plus knowing that your eternity is fixed, what are you doing now? Judd, I know I can't stop God's plan. I can't change eternity. I cannot stop the kingdom of God. But what I can do is cause as many as possible to miss his plan. Oh yeah, I work extremely hard to slow the progress of the kingdom. And honestly, I don't worry so much about lost people. It's easy to keep them distracted. What I love is stopping Christians, <laughs> stopping churches, destroying homes, families, marriages. You see, <laughs> if I do that, then I slow the church. And if I slow the church, then I slow the kingdom. How exactly do you distract or slow the Christians? And how do you distract the lost? Well, first is the Christian. Let's get this straight. I can't stop them from being one. Oh, but I can do my best to make them a lazy one. You see, a lazy, distracted Christian is the best kind because they'll still go through the motions, the traditions, 
just like the scribes and the Pharisees. I mean, let's think about it. They'll go to church, pay their tithes, sing the songs, raise their hands, amen the sermon, love the pastor, and walk right back out as distracted as when they walked in, never adding to the kingdom of God. I take the word and, and twist it, and a lazy Christian will believe it every time because they're not spending any time in the word to know the difference. <laughs> they aren't spending any time in prayer, but I've got them convinced they're just fine because they go through the routine. You see, I, I love lazy Christians because they have no power in their walk, no power in their talk, so their life ain't showing Jesus to anyone. Therefore, the lost ain't hearing about Jesus and his work on the cross. I mean, look around this world. I've got plenty going on to keep the lost distracted. And so as long as I keep the Christians lazy, I have nothing to worry about. Like I said, I can't stop God's plan. Oh, but I can sure try and slow it down and get as many as possible to go to hell with me. And here's what's funny. A place that wasn't even created for them. <laughs> well, listening to all that you've said, I'm sure you don't like to talk about this. But if you were to truly try and help someone avoid your attacks and snares, how would they be successful in doing so? They can't. Simple. Well, they won't. Judd, <laughs> people are too easy to deceive. They make my job so simple. No one is truly dedicated to God's word, so it's easy to twist it and make them think it's true. I can even throw it in a song, and as long as it says good things about Jesus, they believe it's gospel. <laughs> you honestly can't imagine how many lazy, distracted Christians are sitting in church every service. And yet you wonder why your church has no power, why people aren't being saved. <laughs> You're in a lazy, distracted church. Okay, devil, you've spouted off long enough. Final question. Stop avoiding it and tell me and the listeners, how do we keep from being distracted and lazy? You do understand this goes against everything I am to answer this, right? In the name of Jesus, the name that is above all names, give God glory and answer this question. It's really remarkably simple to avoid me. Love Jesus with all your heart, mind, and soul. Guard your heart always by staying focused on Him. Love His Word. Study his word. Get it embedded into your very soul. Completely, 
100% submit your life to him. Then resist my temptation and I'll have no choice but to leave. Daily talk and commune with God. I mean, be the Christian God called you to be. If you're completely involved and hid in him, you'll have no room and no time for me. And that's how you escape my snares. So simple. Yet most are too distracted to even see the simplicity in serving and living for Christ. Well, maybe that was able to help you some, give you a little insight, give a little look at a different perspective. Um, can we truly know? No, we can't. But we can definitely get a little bit of insight. Now, in case you'd like to read and back up any of what was said today with some scripture, I'd like to give you some scripture references. Uh, Genesis 3, verses 1 through 15. Ezekiel 28. Isaiah 14, 2 Peter 2, verse 4, Revelations 12, verse 9, 1 John 3, verse 8, James 2, verse 19, 1 Peter 5, verse 8, and Ephesians 6, verses 11 through 12. Certainly hope you have enjoyed it. We'll do it again. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you have topic ideas or any feedback, feel free to send an email to rtojud at gmail.com or look up our RTOJ Facebook page. Have a blessed day.